Welcome to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft, the Senior Director of Outreach at Michigan Virtual. And Ann, on this edition of the show... We will discuss post-pandemic learning and how schools will move forward to provide both personalization and flexibility for students and teachers. Stay tuned. A great show coming up after these messages. listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft. And on this show, we will spend time talking about flexible learning models for post-pandemic education. We bring in our first guest, Dr. Christopher Harrington. Chris is the director of the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Dr. Harrington, I'd like you to start out and just talk a little bit about the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute research. What are the ways in which schools and districts have adapted to the COVID-19 pandemic during this past year? What's the research telling you? It's uh, a great question. The, uh, the research tells us that schools to a large extent have struggled. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, from meeting students' social emotional needs and then the needs as well, and then trying to actually educate students in a, for most of them, a very new learning environment. And it was also a new environment for teachers as well. So, you know, we, we see a lot of struggling. There are some bright spots there, and, and we've learned some new things, um, and also as students. But, um, you know, to a large extent, um, education just hasn't reach the standard that we really hoped it would. Um, you know, we, we try so hard as an educational field and we do great work, um, but we have these um, limitations put in front of us from moving to a virtual environment. And a lot of schools weren't really prepared for that. Um, Talk a little bit about some of the specific challenges. Like what did this research show? What did it say about some of the big struggles? What areas were affected the most? Um, most most of the impact has been on student engagement and the the difficulty students had engaging in this new learning environment, a virtual learning environment, um, and, and not to be confused with what we know to be effective virtual learning. What we're really experiencing was pandemic teaching and learning. So we have students and teachers pushed into this environment without the skills to be able to work. Um, to, to be able to, to navigate as well as they could. And um, so the student engagement piece was one, um, just having relationships and, and just relying on all the structures of bell schedules and, um, you know, and just basic classroom procedures. Um, all of that was new now for, for most students and adults. And, um, and that really caused a lot of strain and a lot of inefficiencies. And it, it certainly impacted everyone. How did the teachers do, Dr. Harrington? Um, you know, teachers are an interesting bunch. Me being one, um, you care so deeply about the kids. And yes. when, when you don't have that ability to, to have the relationships with the kids, you really struggle, you know. And um, so there, there's, a, there's a few things here. First of all, teachers had to create digital content. If they didn't already have it, they had to create it. Then they had to learn to 
to teach in the environment, the virtual environment. And that's not a skill set that's typically taught um, in your in-service training or in your pre-service training if you're a newer teacher. And um, so how you teach online and how you teach face-to-face, -face, very different. So there was a struggle there. And it just seemed like everything took more time, which is really causes some challenges because teachers are already pressed for time. So, you know, there was that strain right there. But there was another piece to this that I think we should recognize, and that's the fact that when everybody's pushed into their homes, and I'm talking everybody, not just the teacher, but the teacher's kids and the teacher's significant others, and, and you have a whole house full of people, it's very difficult to, to try to learn how to teach in a different environment while also balancing all those home needs, those household needs. So it created just a lot of stress. And I think that's, um, you know, it, it resulted in a lot of, lot of tired professionals. Now, Ann Craft, I know you have some very interesting questions for Dr. Harrington with regard to the research. Can you talk a little bit about those questions and ask Dr. Harrington, you know, what are his thoughts on this? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Harrington, we know that um, strategies to reach students and student engagement was really the, the subject of your research study. Can you tell us why this particular study is important beyond the fact that we need to learn how to engage students in those online environments, but what makes this particular study significant? Yeah, the, um, this is a very significant study. When, when you think about all the research that's out there, here we have schools and districts who traditionally didn't teach online. The, the vast majority of their student body was not online. Very few students in a school district were. So we really struggled with that, right? But this particular study was an actual survey of teachers and administrators of 17 statewide virtual schools and programs across the country. And these schools and programs, the teachers, this is what they do. This is what they specialize in. And the administrators, this is what they specialize in also. They, they, they support these virtual teachers. And these are programs that have had years of experience learning what works and what doesn't work. So this particular study, um, we reached out to um, these, school, these schools and programs, and we had 1,721 teachers respond to this survey, sharing thoughts and ideas about the strategies they use to engage students. And we focused on student engagement because we knew this was where the major um, portion of the struggle was. So, um, so that, that's... Um, that, that's really why it's so significant. It's the sheer number of these teachers who have this pretty unique expertise. Sure. And what was the overwhelming response from them as, as far as engaging students in, in those environments? Yeah. The, um, one of the things that we learned was there is a direct connection between how your digital environment, your, your, your digital classroom, the online environment is designed and how you teach within that. So the various forms of content, the different formats, whether it's video, text-based articles, audio, interactive activities for students, between that 
and teachers making themselves available for some of this face-to-face -face contact. When I say face-to-face, -face, I really mean like through video conference. So having some of this synchronous or real-time contact, um, that was another piece. And, and that, that was um, done in a lot of different ways. Um, most often through like office hours um, or some small group instruction where a teacher would pull some students together and have um, some real-time conversation. But then there's also another element of engagement, which is a little bit more passive, but it's teachers providing a motivational announcements or um, direct communications with students um, in asynchronously, like through email or other messaging, but then also posting video content or audio content with their own voice so kids know that there's a human being at the other end of this computer program. That is, um, th those were some of the primary um, strategies the teachers cited, but there's another thing that really came out of this, and that is the need for relationships. When students can form a relationship with their teachers and vice versa, students become more engaged. When they know that there's somebody that they care, that cares about them, they're more engaged. And so that having that presence and developing those, those relationships, even in a virtual environment, were really, really key pieces and strategies that, that help engage students. So when you're a, a teacher in a face-to-face -face classroom, kind of those uh, attaboys that you give or talking to the students about their, their sports accomplishments or asking them about their parents or things of that nature, I know as a former teacher really go a long way. So basically what you're saying is that regardless of what the format is, those things are still really, really important. That is absolutely correct, without a doubt. I, th I think that's pretty clear across all of the research that uh, the Institute has done. So let's take a quick break. You are listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I am here with my co-host, Ann Kraft. Ann is the Senior Director of Outreach at Michigan Virtual, and we are talking to Dr. Christopher Harrington. He is the Director of the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute. And we are going to continue this conversation and add in some more guests and have a roundtable basically about lessons learned about learning and teaching during the pandemic. We'll be back right after this. Continue the conversation with Dr. Christopher Harrington here on Learning Matters. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm with my co-host, Ann Kraft. We also welcome Carrie Wozniak, superintendent of the Fraser Public Schools. Carrie, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. And we also say hello to Dr. Gerald Hill, superintendent of the West Bloomfield Schools. Dr. Hill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ann. Pleased to be here. So, Anne, this conversation, this segment of the show, we're going to talk a little bit more about how COVID-19 impacted learning, online learning in the schools. Let's start with you, Dr. Hill. Tell us a little bit about what you saw this year with regard to virtual learning. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thanks for being the show. I, I think it's really important to do this. Um, one of the things that we saw is that students are still learning. Uh, they're learning differently 
and those that struggling are struggling mightily. And so we've learned that um, the virtual environment is really effective for some students and not at all effective for others, partly because of our understanding of how to do this well. Um, we've learned the importance of resilience, uh, resilience of teachers. They have to recreate their craft overnight, and, and they've been refining it, learning by doing throughout the year. Uh, being able to adapt to situations, um, thinking innovatively, using technology we have never used before as, as a regular part of the curriculum. But one of the most important things is the whole aspect of collaborating. Uh, we know that we can do something and solve problems if we collaborate together, and, and that's been a real plus uh, for our team in West Bloomfield. Now, Dr. Hill, what type of student struggled and what type of student actually did pretty well? Well, those that, those that struggled were less confident with technology, maybe less uh, self-motivated. Uh, they, they needed to um, be encouraged a lot to get online. And, and hence what, what uh, was said in the earlier segment, the importance of relationships and, and getting those students involved in their learning. Uh, those that did well, they are they were maybe more introverted, but maybe not. I think they just had a plan and they liked the flexibility. They liked to take the learning at a time when they can have it. Uh, there, there was a lot of flexibility built in. Uh, they also liked the opportunity to do other things uh, in, in a time frame that fit their schedule rather than they fitting into the 50 minutes or 90 minute class segments and going class to class and run by bells, they took control of their learning and that was very helpful to them. Now, Carrie Wozniak, would you talk a little bit about what you observed in your district, the Fraser School District? Yes, thank you first for having me here. I appreciate the opportunity. This is a very um, important conversation. We learned, I think teachers learned a lot about themselves and their own resilience. And they also really, I want to echo what Mr. Hill or Dr. Hill said about collaboration. Our teachers were very collaborative, I think, prior to this. Um, pandemic, but when they were put into this situation, they realized the power of working together and um, kind of dividing the work up, dividing and conquering some of the tasks that they had to do. I also think um, at initially it was, um, you know, with everyone being in the home together, that was a real challenge for everyone to adjust to that. You know, some of our teachers have their own children and they were experiencing online learning that might have been different to what we were doing in Frazier. We were very fortunate that um, we were a district that is one-to-one and everyone had devices. We had a, a very robust digital ecosystem. So we had, I like to say, a lot of the um, ingredients that you needed um, to do this type of work. And we didn't have to start that all up in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that was really helpful. And I, I think as we start to um, look back on this experience, I think we all are realizing that our kids are a lot more resilient than we, we thought they could ever be. They really um, responded to this experience and some did really well, some didn't do so well, and um, some of them we had to really kind of nudge along, but we worked very hard to um, communicate with our families on a regular basis and we have a real variety of families in our district and um, some of them had better supports than others and we really worked hard to, to have equity 
with um, the type of instruction we were giving everyone. And coming out of this pandemic, I think equity is a piece we're really going to have to look at very carefully because there were a lot of discrepancies that um, I noticed not only in our own district, but throughout the county and throughout the state that we're really going to need to work hard on um, to um, to bring that equity uh, into you know a better space than it is right now. And Dr. Christopher Harrington, your research basically is exactly what Carrie Wozniak and Dr. Hill are saying. It shows exactly what they actually experienced. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's, we, we've seen pieces of this even before the pandemic. Um, they, there's, there's certain needs that kids and families have, and we've always been trying to address them. Um, what what the pandemic has done is it's really underscored some of the um, the shortcomings we have in our systems, mm-hmm. and um, you know like the equity pieces and um, the the situations or scenarios of kids at home um, in the learning environments um, outside of the the physical school buildings. So the pandemic really shone a light or a magnifying glass on those kinds of challenges that already existed. Sure. Now, Ann Craft, I'm sure you have some thoughts and questions for our roundtable guests on this show, Learning Matters. I I do, actually, as a parent of a student who um, went through this pandemic learning, Mm -hmm. there was a a marked difference between what happened kind of last spring when everyone was in this um, emergency situation, and then there was the frantic planning, I call it, (laughs) over the summer Mm -hmm. that, that everyone was doing, trying to put those systems and supports in place, and then the learning that happened over the last school year. So if you look back to a year ago, and the way that you were imagining how the school went or how the school year would go. Sure. How did how did it play out as opposed to how you planned it? And how much um, kind of adjusting did you need to do along the way? Well, I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, in West Bloomfield, we started planning for the fall uh, in April or May of, of 2020. And, and we thought we had a good plan. And then the closer we got to the first day, the more panic set in. Um, we were learning a, a whole new learning management system. Uh, we were learning a whole new variety of apps, uh, Pear Deck, Nearpod, our, our learning management system, Canvas. We had not used that before. Uh, and so teachers and, and administrators were in a... Uh, let, we need to learn all this. And, and by the way, it needs to be learned by next week. And, and so when we kick off the year... Um, we were we were not prepared for honestly we were not prepared we just had to keep moving forward and and having persistence and in, in the faith that we we're doing what's right by students uh, i need to commend the students and the families that worked with us because their expect they were just glad they were having school but every week that went by their demands and expectations got higher they wanted more and they wanted better and so we we kept having to to raise the bar um and one of the big pieces um beyond the collaboration is the flexibility that we found that we needed to have that students needed but they also needed some consistency and some dependability and and what some of our uh, inequitable situations arose because we didn't have all of the the connections uh, wi-fi that uh, they weren't they were very inconsistent and so that created a lot of problems for for everybody but but overall um 
next year when we're doing our planning, we have learned so much this year. We'll be in a much better place no matter what system we're in. So. Of course. Ms. Wozniak? We were very um, fortunate because I feel like we were prepared with the learning management side of things and um, the infrastructure uh, part portion to be prepared. And, and just like Dr. Hill said, we were planning in April and May. I think things really became challenging as um, parents started to want their students to come back to school. And you had um, the system being uh, asked to do a lot of different things for a lot of, you had to be a lot to to everyone. So you had families that wanted their children to be face-to-face. You had families that still wanted them to stay virtual and developing a, a systematic approach to that where you were in equity to all of your stakeholders was very challenging. We actually brought students back to school in small learning pots from the, you know, day one. And we, we kept ramping that up. And while you're, you're working through that, we also were very challenged with having families that wanted to stay completely virtual. So we were being pulled in a lot of different directions and um, we realized that we needed to be either focused on one aspect or the other aspects. So around November, we made the decision that you you had to kind of make a choice. You either were virtual or you were gonna be in our face-to-face option. And once we did that, we were really able to support our teachers who were in that virtual environment, giving them the training, the tools that they needed to do that work very well. And then working with our um, face-to-face teachers, it was really a whole new ball game for them too because of all the protocols that we had in place. And I sometimes feel like I've been through four school years. (laughs) I think that's consensus. (laughs) You know, one of the things that we should talk about is just the stress of all this. I mean, you know, you mentioned, Carrie Wozniak, that you feel like you've been through four school years. How did you manage that stress with your teachers, your students, and your parents, your families? I would say one word, communication. I think I've never communicated more with my stakeholders than I did this year. Um, A lot of community conversations and a lot of messaging. I think that was the most important piece is to just tell them the story and be very transparent about where we are at in that moment. And Dr. Gerald Hill, same question for you in West Bloomfield. Yes, I, I would agree with Carrie that communication was the key and communication in a number of platforms. Um, we had the normal written communication, but that really wasn't what was the best. Uh, making use of, of Zooms and webinars uh, via Zoom were, were really informative. Uh, we had, uh, it wasn't unusual to have 500 parents on a call while we were explaining the latest iteration of our hybrid learning pro- our programs between uh, the A cohort, the B cohort, uh, all the mitigation strategies, or the Lakers Online program that we had for our online learners. And, and so we were utilizing that tool, and, and we got better at it as we used it uh, in terms of keeping the public informed, also getting feedback, ton of surveys that we were doing to see how students were feeling about it, how parents were feeling about it, how teachers were feeling about it, and then responding and adapting to what we were hearing. Uh, I, I agree. I think it was four years of, of work. <laughs> and and the, the focus on mental health, yeah. not only for students, not only for staff, 
but we had a lot of families that, that were really stressed out and we heard from them. And so we had to be responsive on a number of fronts on the, the mental health side of the equation. So now that we have discussed lessons learned, in the next segment with our roundtable, let's talk about what's going to happen in the fall. We're, we're at the end of the school year. We've got the summer to think about this. So now, next topic of conversation is what happens this fall? We will be back right after these messages. look like this fall. Our panel discussion here today on Learning Matters presented by Michigan Virtual continues now with Dr. Christopher Harrington. He's the director of the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute, Carrie Wozniak, superintendent of the Frazier Public Schools, and Dr. Gerald Hill, superintendent of the West Bloomfield Schools. And Dr. Harrington, I'd like to start with you. So based on this conversation, the conversation we've had in the last two segments and this incredible research that you've done, what do you think learning will look like this fall? I think we're going to see a few different things here. Um, there is this, this craving um, from a lot of folks, um, school administrators, teachers, and families alike, for things to go back to the way they were. So I think there's always going to be an element of that. And I think one of the things that we've learned is, and I think Dr. Hill mentioned this earlier, is that some kids are really struggling without having those face-to-face structures. So that's clearly going to be a part of next year. But we're also seeing that there are a lot of families now who have had a taste of virtual learning or remote learning, and it really works for them. And so now they're going to want more of that. Um, whether it works for the students academically or the families from a logistical standpoint, um, I think the demand is going to be there for increased levels of virtual learning, probably not at the, to the same degree that we've seen this year, um, this current school year, the 2021 school year. But, um, but schools and districts that I've been working with um, in a consulting model and then also um, in conversations with through various work groups, there's, um, there's an expectation that there's going to be elevated numbers of virtual learners. And so there's also this, um, this push or um, tendency to want to start trying to personalize education more. Um, interestingly, um, with, um, with Dr. Wozniak and, and Dr. Hill, their school programs, their models are, are more on the progressive side. So they're, they're more student-centered than, than I would say typical school districts. And the challenges that they've had may not be as great as some of the challenges of other schools that are not so student-centered. And I think those schools that aren't like that, that aren't really student-centered um, and, and more personalized for kids, I think they're going to start moving more and more into that direction because that's really paying attention to the unique needs of kids and the families as well. Carrie Wozniak, what are your thoughts on this? What are the conversations like in Frazier? Yeah, that's a great question. I think people are yearning for the community that they lost during the pandemic, the, the Friday night football games and, and those traditions that really brings the community together. And I, I think that is something people are excited about. I, I think, though, the um, educational experience is definitely something that 
parents are now going to have um, a deeper expectation of. It's almost like with the virtual learning, they had a full view into the movie because they saw what was happening every day and they really got some insight into what it looked like for their kids to be in school all day. They weren't just dropping them off at the door. And that is going to create, I think, a new expectation. And our mantra has always been good design, being learner-centered and designing instruction that meets the needs of the learner right there in front of you. And I'm going to do all I can next year to really promote that philosophy of good design and being learner-centered. It doesn't matter um, what tools you're using. Obviously, technology is very helpful, but the relationship piece, whether you're virtual or in-person, needs to be our focus because mental health and reconnecting kids to their community and um, kind of in this post-pandemic world is going to be crucial. And, you know, everyone can relate to this too, Carrie, because they're all probably thinking, even every business, every employer, every employee is thinking good design, you know, moving forward. So it doesn't just apply to learning and schooling. It applies to everybody listening out there in so many different ways. And Dr. Hill, I'm sure you would agree with that. Good design moving forward is going to make all the difference in the world. Yes, we have a team, our district learning design team, and we've been having that same conversation. Uh, we're emphasizing flexibility, personalization, and the establishing really good working relationships. One of the other aspects I think that's coming to the fore, we're looking at a blended learning model. We're still offering Lakers online as well as the traditional classroom in the classroom, but we're blending those two. So Lakers online students will have an opportunity to take their coursework online, but also engage in some of the extracurriculars at the high school, for example. Whereas high school students who traditionally can, they'll be able to take online courses to fill the gaps that they need to fill because of their schedule. And I think partnerships are key. Uh, we're using actually Michigan Virtual for a lot of our online courses, and that gives our online kids the opportunities to take courses when they need them and, and how they need them. And it doesn't matter how many other students signed up for them. So they have the personalization and flexibility. And, and, and so I think it's a continual learning process and, and one where we can customize the experience for students uh, as well as teachers. We have teachers that really want to do online. So last year we had 1,700 students online. This coming year we'll have 350 to 400, but they're there because they want to be, not because they're afraid of the pandemic. And Ann Kraft, as the Senior Director of Outreach at Michigan Virtual, I can see you listening very closely to what Dr. Wozniak and Dr. Hill are saying because you play a big role in helping them with what is going to happen in the fall. So I know you've got some more questions for them. I do, actually. Um, when When I think about that personalized approach and those flexible models, what I'm what I'm wondering is what do you think the biggest barriers to that to implementing those models are? I think it's not limiting ourselves and opening up our imaginations and and uh, running the experiment, if, if you will. Uh, we're so traditional in how we approach things. I think we just need to give it an opportunity to work. And I think having a real hard conversation about equity is crucial. You know, um, the pandemic has, like I said before, really shed some light on a lot of the inequity 
that we see in our communities. And just giving children a, a laptop and a Wi-Fi hotspot isn't going to, you know, get the job done. It goes back to the um, the SEL, the social and emotional uh, learning that we really need to focus in on as we come out of this pandemic. And that means giving our teachers strategies and opportunities to um, build that into the, the teaching and learning environment. And that's where, again, good design comes into play. Are you really strategically thinking about how you're building that community conversation into your classroom, into your instruction, be it virtual, hybrid, or um, face-to-face? So what kind of policy implications are there when it comes to kind of changing this model of education. I know a lot of districts have talked about the fact that, you know, students are required to be in their seats a specific amount of time during the day, et cetera. And when we're looking at breaking that model apart and not basing it on the amount of time a student is in a seat, how do you do that when you're working in a district? You have to trust a professional, I believe. Um, we're not seat time regulated. We should be learning regulated, competency-based regulated. And, and you take attendance not by seat time, it's by being there, engaging in the learning, showing your learning product. And uh, the biggest challenge we'll have is working with MDE to get them to recognize that there's other ways to take attendance rather than seat time. And I think it's being vocal in that policy conversation with boards of education and having um, models to share with MDE and, and not just asking for things. Because I think if we don't come to them with a model, they're reluctant to make change. We were fortunate in Fraser. Um, there's the Innovation Council that MDE has. We've put proposals forward to them and um, they have given us a seat time waiver for our um, for some flexibility with the way we're scheduling. So I, I think districts have to be proactive in building a plan and a plan that's responsible and demonstrates that we want to partner with MDE and work together to find solutions in order to move forward. So if when we're looking at um, those inequities that were present, that are present in our system, and we're looking at the um, maybe some learning gaps that are that have taken place over the last year. How are you approaching, kind of assessing those what those needs are and and remediating those students? You know, we're all hearing the word accelerated learning. I think that's the the, the latest uh, catchphrase from MDE. I, I think you have to have a good system in place with. Um, your assessment. We have to be able to find out where students are at and take them from that place academically. But you have to do the same thing with their um, social and emotional, um, the social and emotional side of things. So in our district, we've got some priorities in place for the summer, but especially for the fall to really make sure we're looking at our students' mental health and assessing where they're at and putting in place some strategies, uh, you know, check in, check out, um, ways for our teachers to be, um, you know, doing extra things to make sure that those students are connecting with us. And how are we going out into the community and finding those families that really disconnected during the pandemic? We've all heard that. Um, but what are we going to do to rectify that situation? I think we need to have more um, community liaisons between the school and the families to reconnect people back to their school. Because I think a lot of um, 
a lot of families feel pretty disconnected right now. And they're, um, you know, we've got to get them back. We've got to get them back and get those kids reengaged and get those families reengaged in their learning. So I think when it comes to something like math, it's pretty easy to give an assessment and and kind of see where where a child is in their math learning. How do you assess their social emotional state or their mental health at that at that point? Yeah, we actually have screeners that we're putting in place. So in the lower grades, um, we have a whole process for our teachers to, to be screening our elementary students, but at the middle and the high school, we actually are having them do self-reflective screeners to help us get a sense of how they're feeling. And then we use that data to put intervention in place. But this year and next year, I've never been more strategic about mental health supports as I have been. Um, there's some really good research out there that um, uh, school districts have access to. The um, uh, Opportunity Labs is an excellent resource to um, look at some of the research that they've collected on how to help kids in that area. And um, I know they put together a whole roadmap to recovery, which I know MDE used as well as they started to talk about um, our next steps for um moving forward and they're excellent resources. They're research-based and districts have to, I believe, this is my opinion, obviously, you have to make that a priority as you move forward next year. And Dr. Hill, do you have anything you'd like to add before we go? I concur with what, what Carrie was saying. I think the importance of the social emotional learning is there. Uh, screening and surveying students and staff are critical. It's a reality we're all needing to deal with. Dr. Christopher Harrington, Director of the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute, Carrie Wozniak, Superintendent of the Fraser Public Schools, and Dr. Gerald Hill, Superintendent of the West Bloomfield Schools. Thank you so much for this invaluable conversation today. It's been really fascinating to learn how the process went last year and what we can expect in the new school year. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual, and I'd like to thank Dr. Christopher Harrington, Director of the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute, Carrie Wozniak, Superintendent of the Fraser Public Schools, and Dr. Gerald Hill, Superintendent of the West Bloomfield Schools, for this wonderful discussion about online learning, what's going to happen in the new year, what happened last year. You have been listening to Learning Matters. On behalf of my co-host, Ann Kraft, I'm Ann Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.